Welcome to today's message from Reach Community Church. We hope this message encourages and blesses you as we dive into God's Word. And now, for today's message. Not to uh, completely deviate from our uh, last four weeks, um, where we talked about what it means to be disciples. If you missed all of those, here's one thing that you can know about our church. Um, Jesus... Uh, came, lived a sinless life, died on the cross so that we can have life in him and follow him, be a part of his life. That's what we spent the last four weeks talking about, that Jesus didn't come here so that we could identify as Christians and sign up to a club that gets us special benefits for whatever. Um, He came to be our Lord and Savior um, that we follow, that we give our lives to, that we say that there's something bigger than us out there in this world, uh, and he has a mission for us to be on. So, um, what we're doing today is we're stepping back into what I call, um, it's an iteration of walking in the Word, which we all last year called uh, Living Jesus is Greater. It is our non-series series. Uh, So basically what that is, is when we're not doing a series, which we'll do a couple during the year, when we're not doing a series, I do um, what I call Living Jesus is Greater, and what I try to do each week is preach out of what you read in the One Year Bible. Um, If you don't have one of those and you miss an opportunity and bought more, I will continue to buy One Year Bibles until there's Bibles sitting on the thing. They're free. You can have one. It just splits up the Bible to where you can read, like today's date, you can read a little bit of the Old Testament, a little bit of the New Testament, Psalm Proverbs. In a year, you would read the entire Bible. So what I like to do when we're not doing a series is convince you that reading your Bible has value. And part of the reason, or part of the way that I do that is I'm going to talk about something that you've potentially read this week, which is what I'm getting ready to do. Hopefully, so you can go, okay, man, that's, that's interesting. I didn't see that perspective, or man, that is exactly what I was thinking, uh, and I need to do something with that. So if you want one of those, they're on our guest service tables. I think we have about seven or eight out there. And like I said, if we run out of those, I'll get more, um, and I'll keep stacking the table until there are multiple copies that sit out there every Sunday. So have that. Okay, so today uh, we're going to take some lessons from Exodus. Woo. Um, on how to live victoriously. So I got a question for you, and you don't have to answer this almost always. When I ask a question from up front, you don't have to raise your hand, you don't have to say anything. This is just to stir things inside your head. Um, do you feel victorious? Do you feel like, man, I'm a conqueror, like ain't nothing in my way, like I am. I am moving forward with Jesus. Life is great. Just stir that in your head for a second. Um, if you don't feel that way, today is just for you. Our biggest problem uh, that we have in walking, walking in victory is typically us. We have a strong enough Savior We have a a God who cares for us, that has purpose for us, that will never leave us nor forsake us. Uh, We have a God that is full of power, which we'll see today. Um, And almost always, God is either leading us in something or through something, but it is almost always us that handicaps ourselves 
from taking, receiving what God has given us. Either we have lost faith or uh, faith and trust in our deliverer. We, 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 we're like, well, he just came, or, man, I don't know what, he should, what I should be doing in this scenario. When this happens, we start fighting in our own power and strength. And to be completely honest, uh, and if you've been around our church long enough, this is not a new statement, um, you're not strong enough to overcome what you have to overcome. You, you weren't made to. If we were made to, God would have set things in motion and just left. He would not have come back and done all the things that we could not do to set us free. Our victory, and this is my one thing that we're going to hit over and over again today, our victory comes from God alone. Let's pray. Dearly Father, uh, whether we believe that statement or are currently struggling with that statement, it is you and you alone that can free us um, from our own sin, from our own issues, that can set us out of the things that we're currently struggling with until we're willing to surrender to you, to trust you, to have faith in the process of what you're doing in our lives. We won't have the victory that you've already given us in the cross. Today, today let us see uh, the Israelites and Moses through the lens of your power and your capacity to deliver a people. Your people. And Lord, I believe that there's people in this room that are your people, that are trapped, enslaved in things that they want freedom from, but they just don't have the power or the ability or the know-how. And so Lord, today, Lord, I pray that you would start the process of us believing that it is you and surrendering to you for the victory that you call us to. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, side note, I, I failed to mention this earlier. That thermostat over there is stuck at 74.5, so it's a little warm up here, so I have pit stains that develop. Um, it is because of that. If you feel a little warmer than normal, it's not because, you know, we want you to feel like what it could be down there. Uh, that's broken. Broken. And the problem is, if you go over there and you hit the up, it will go up. It just will not go down. That's why it's 74.5. Uh, anyway, so if you feel warm, <laughs> you know, it's that. So, so what I want to do, we're going to be in Exodus 14 in just a second, verses 3 through 18. And I'm going to talk through um, part of that, but I, I want to lead this. I, I, I think sometimes we falsely assume, or I falsely assume, um, that everybody's on the same page and understands that I'm going to talk about um, the exiles from Egypt and not have an idea of, of what's going on. So I'm going to give you a, a little bit of background, a little bit of context. Um, God wanted a people. And so he called Abram that were, was not, you know, a person of God. He, he wasn't anyone. He, he chose, God chose Abram out of the people that were there and created a people for himself. Changed his name in the process, which God does that a lot because you didn't have the capacity to become what you were going to be. Abram didn't have the capacity to become Abraham without God. 
And in it, I think it was in uh, like Genesis 13 or 14, um, God prophesies to Abraham that he was going to be a people, a great nation, a, 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 a people separated for him specifically, but they would be enslaved for 400 years in Egypt. This was at the beginning of the people, and so Abraham has kids, and Abraham's kids have kids, and then there's the, the 12 sons, and uh, one of the sons is a little bit annoying, Joseph. They get rid of him. They sell him into slavery. I know some of you out there with siblings, you're like, yes, that sounds like a great idea. <laughs> I'd love to get rid of so-and-so, fill in the blank. Um, so they sell him into slavery, and he goes um, to Egypt, and for <laughs> almost two full decades, he's either enslaved in a house, being a servant, or he's in prison. And then he gets freed, and um, is is there in the right place at the right time to save the people of God. Beautiful story. Joseph is my favorite Old Testament character. If you've not read it this year, read it. I think it starts in like Genesis 40-something, ends in Genesis 50. Um, great story. Saves his people, brings all of the family of Israel. I think it was 70 people at the time to Egypt. And the Pharaoh loves Joseph because he just saved um, his country. And not only did he save his country, but he got everything to be owned by Pharaoh. Because in the seven years of starvation, people had nothing. They're like, it's better for us to give up this and give up that. And they give up everything, even their land. And so he moves all his people there. He gives them the choice place to live. And they multiply and multiply and multiply and multiply that Pharaoh dies, and another Pharaoh comes, um, and he forgets what Joseph did. And the people gets larger and larger and larger. Millions of people growing, God's people, in slavery. And I wrote here, forgotten by God, but really they weren't forgotten by God. They were, they were placed there. God put them there. And what you'll see all through, even the story that we're going to go through today, is, is God chooses the people he's going to work through. Moses was like, one day I'm going to be a champion for my people, and I'm going to lead them. He tried to get out of it. God's like, hey, you. And he's like, no, 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 no not, not me. I cannot speak. I cannot do this. And um, he has a redemption plan through Moses to, to set his people free. I just confession. I watched Prince of Egypt this week. I did. Um, and... Whatever about it, but there's some, it's pretty amazing. Like, I don't know. I love visuals. I love seeing things. It was, it was awesome pieces of it. Now, the story's a little different than what we're going to read today. But. Um, and then, so Moses goes into the wilderness. He, he tries to take in his own power to, to set his people free. And he ends up killing an Egyptian, and then he runs away. And for 40 years, he's doing his own thing. He gets married. He has two sons. Um, he's being a shepherd, and he goes into a cave, and there's a burning bush, which is weird, right? We think, yes, of course it's a burning bush. That is natural, normal. No, it's not. No one else has seen one since that I'm aware of. If you were, it might have been during the 60s, and you probably were taking something that you shouldn't have. Um, but, you know, I can picture. So. 
I mean, God can do this for you, that. Um, and so God speaks to him, says, you're going to be the mouthpiece, and you're going to separate the people of God. You're going to finally bring freedom. And he's like, there's no way that I can do this. And he goes back to Egypt 40 years later, and, okay, let me just tell you this. For those that feel like, man, life is hard, and the job is hard, God gave Moses a job and told him that Pharaoh is not going to respond well to you. So basically, for a long period of time, you're going to lose. So you're going to go in, you're going to say, let my people free, and Pharaoh's going to be like, ah. And there's ten plagues that come out. Um, You can research this. There's literally, I think, each of the plague has a tie to one of the gods that they worshipped. You know, God saying, hey, I'm greater than... Every one of those. I'm greater than, I'm greater than. Um, and the final straw was that God was going to kill the firstborn of all the children. Unless you sacrifice a lamb and put the blood of the lamb on your doorpost. And then when the spirit comes to take the, the people away, um, God would pass over. He would look at their sin, which is foreshadowing of what Jesus became in the final sacrifice for us. God is, the reason why we can have victory is not because God set you a little free and you became Superman. God passes over the former you, sees the potential in you, and you have a capacity now to do what you didn't have the capacity to do before. And so, um, Pharaoh is finally broken and he releases them to go. He He lets them go. And they're free for the first time. And, and not just free. Like, God, God took care of them. God's like, I, I, you know, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to take care of you. And on your way out, basically, Egypt is like, take whatever you want. Everybody's like taking their nose rings out, giving them gold and silver, and be like, just leave. Yeah. Leave. And so they, they begin their journey into the wilderness, into freedom. And here's something that I need you to know from the beginning. For 400 years, regardless of their number, because they could have became one people and probably could have overcome Egypt, but they didn't. So they, they couldn't grant their freedom from Egypt. And at one point of getting out of Egypt. And they can't get their freedom out of what we're going to see right now. Because God brings victory. So we're going to pick this up in Exodus Um, Chapter 14, verse 3. For Pharaoh will say of the people of Israel, Pharaoh is coming to his senses and going, Oh my gosh, we just let our labor force, our free labor force, leave. They're wandering in the land, and the wildness has shut them in. Pharaoh's like, Oh man, they are now trapped. They're out there. They've put themselves in a position that they're vulnerable, and they can't go anywhere. Uh, and I love this, and you'll see this over and over again. For those that you know that don't necessarily like the sovereignty of God or the the, the will of God, um, it says right here. It says, "And I will harden Pharaoh's heart." So Pharaoh's not seeing wisdom. He he's hardened. He's like, "Oh, you know, I'm going to get these people back." And he will pursue them, and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And they did so. Really, God 
as much as he trapped the Israelites, he's setting a trap for Pharaoh. Verse 5. It says, when the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed towards the people. And they said, what is this that we have done? That we have let Israel go from serving us. So he made ready his chariots and took his army with him. And he took 600 of the chosen chariots and all other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the people of Israel while the people of Israel were going out defiantly. The Egyptians pursued them, and Pharaoh's horses and chariots and his horsemen and his army, and they overtook them, encamped by the sea of... Man, I love... I even listen to these. Uh, anybody else, like... Uh, if you have an irrational fear of saying words that are in the Old Testament that you don't know, I even separated how some of these words sound, but I'm just going to go with it. Um, encamped by the sea of Pi Hai Hiroth, in front of Baal Zephon. There we go. So God, here, here, I left this out. So God led them away from the Philistines. I think it was the Philistines. Because he's like, they may see these warriors and get fearful and go back to Egypt. So he led them a different way. So God put them in this position. Some of you are like, why am I here? Why has this happened to me? God led the people of Israel to where there was a mountain that they could not overcome, a sea that they could not overcome, and the enemy. That's where God placed them at, into that Encampment. They were there, not by their own wisdom. They were like, okay, this is the brilliant strategy that we're going to do. We're going to put ourselves in this position. No, they locked themselves in a trap. Verse 10, it says, And when Pharaoh drew near, the people lifted up their eyes. I, I love the people of Israel because we have not changed. And I say we because, like, we became the family of God. And, and you think, they just saw, I, I think we think this, and we judge the Israelites. Because they saw these ten miraculous plagues that came. And they, here's the beauty of it. Where they lived, the plagues didn't touch them. So they sat and watched the people of Israel, I mean, not people of Israel, the, the people, people of Egypt get decimated, crossed. Animals, fire from heaven, bugs, boils. They see it and nothing touched them. And then a little bit longer, and this doesn't change after this encounter, okay? I just want you to know, this is, this is what we as a people do over and over again. We forget the mighty hand of God. Their eyes lifted up, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. Verse 11, and they said to Moses, Is it because there is no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? You're a whiny people. Well, there, there was not enough land to be buried over there, so he took it out here to die. It says, what have you done to us, bringing us out of Egypt? The thing that they cried to God. God heard their cries for freedom, gave them that, and they're like, Moses, what did you do? Why did you do this to us? 
says, leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it is, for uh, it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Ever felt this way? You know, I think sometimes we have this ideal image of what it means to follow God and how good He is, which He is. But we have this translation that we, we feel that we can do whatever we want. Not suffer any consequences to our continued actions of sin. And I don't mean um, damnation. I just mean the consequences of our sin. Like if I go out and punch somebody in the face, there's a consequence to that sin. Right? If I go take something from your house, nowadays everybody got video camera and you see me smiling. I don't know if you've seen all these videos of people just walking into stores and just stealing stuff. There's consequences. And they're, they're thinking it's better for us to be left in slavery. I think sometimes when we step into the freedom that God's called us to, it's difficult because we're swimming against the current. We're stepping into things and ways of living. And in our political culture, there is things that we cannot stand for. We cannot. And it's difficult because in our day and age, when we make statements about things, we are being violent. Which is always funny when you see those people saying that. They're usually the ones that are being violent. But they're telling Egypt, I mean, they're telling uh, Moses, you should have just left us there. We, we, we would prefer slavery over what's going to happen. And God told them, through Moses, I'm going to set you free. But they lost the reality that God got them out of there, and he's still their God. Verse 13 says, And Moses said to the people, he ignored. I love this. I wish we had friends like this in our life. When we go whine about things that we cannot control, and we want to just go back to being like we were before, then we have friends that completely ignore the trash talking that we're doing about our own self, and they believe in us enough to just skip all of that stupidity. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which He will work for you today. Listen to this statement. And this is faith right here, because this, this statement has, other than the belief in what God was going to do, it's irrational. He says, for the Egyptians who you see today, you shall never see again. There's one, um, before this, there was one statement that says, they were, they were going out equipped for battle. And I was like, what does that mean? Did, were they, you know, did they steal armor and have swords? And one of the commentaries was more like they were in rank and file because they were leaving. So they were kind of in like squadrons or units. Because, you know, if it's just a mass, so they kind of had this... This way of just walking. It wasn't like that they, they were there in the chariots. And I don't know about you if you've ever seen battle films. Uh, but if you are a people that don't have a, a weapon that shoots long range like a rifle or an assault rifle. You have a sword uh, and there are horses and chariots. <laughs> you're in trouble. Because when a 2,000 pound horse comes running at you and that little sword, he's going to run you over. Chariot, same thing. I don't know about you and whatever about movies that, whatever, but just maybe watch Gladiator. 
See what happens. Now, they do overtake the, uh, the chariots, but that's for movie sake. Um, but, you know, Mo- Moses is telling them, stand firm. Because you're going to see in just a second the mighty hand of God. See, they didn't free themselves from Egypt, and they weren't going to get themselves out of this either. And this is our life. Our life is this continual, perpetual motion of God freeing us from one thing, (laughs) something else coming, and then us trusting that he'll free them from that again. And the reality, I tell people this like all the time, if I would believe my history, me personally, I would fear nothing. Because everything that's come against me, everything that I've been fearful from, everything that I've lost sleep over, over the 20-some years of me following Jesus, Jesus has always come out on the other side. Like, I'm here today. So if I could believe the history of what God's doing and and trusting He's going to continue that, nothing, nothing would overwhelm me. But I still get overwhelmed because I forget my own history. See, we couldn't earn our salvation. And, and here's a good one for those that may skip pizza with the pastor. Uh, you're saved by faith, by grace alone. There's no work that's going to save you. There, there's no goodness in you that God looks out and goes, man, he's good enough for me. Every one of us has missed the mark. Every one of us has no capacity to free ourselves from the sin that we are enslaved to. And because of that, Jesus came to offer our freedom. See, why are we trying in the flesh to overcome the thing that you're up against right now? And I've said this verse a lot over the last couple months, but Galatians 3.3 says, Why are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? What God started with us in our salvation, the only way it continues with us in victory is through His power. Not our own. And then verse 15, it says, the Lord said to Moses, <laughs> I love this. It, see, see, the people whine to Moses. Moses like, stand firm. Moses whines to God. And God's like, why are you crying? Like, but you look a lot. He, he comes sometimes just telling him, like, God, just take me away. Take me to heaven right now. Like, just leave me. Just get rid of all the people. Let me go. <clears throat> Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Could you imagine they're standing at the open sea. And then some people are going to be like, well, I read a commentary that says it was actually the Sea of Reeds. Well, whatever sea it was, the water that was left over killed the army of Egypt. So, like, whether it was a big ocean or it was the Sea of Reeds, they got whatever. It was water that they crossed. told them to move forward. So they're looking at the water. They're looking at the impossibility. And this is really truthfully what God's doing with you right now. There's something that you're standing in front of and you're going, there's no way that I can go this way, which God is calling me to go through this whatever, this ocean. And a lot of times, and you see this with Peter later on when they see God, Jesus walking on the water, he says, if it's you, Lord, call me out there. And he steps out. If he just believed that he could walk on water but never stepped out of the boat, he would have never... Sometimes we got to step into the unknown. 
And when we take our eyes off of it, what did Peter do? He began to sink when he got afraid. Instead of going, hey, I've done five steps already on this, and that's impossible, so I might as well keep going. It's almost like God saying, trust me, I have a plan. Verse 16. Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. I don't know about you, but if you've ever been to um, a water, a pond, a lake, or whatever that's low, uh, if you've ever stepped out onto that low area, um, it's a mess. It's not dry ground, so not only did God separate the water so that millions of people could walk through it, and I'm sure it wasn't a single file, because how long that would have taken, Um, walk through it, and it was dry ground. It wasn't muck and mud. Mm. I'll tell you what, and I'd like, whatever about Prince Vita, but like, man, when they're walking in there, they see the, you know, whale or whatever. Man! See the power of God. Verse 17. He said, he didn't want to just, like, because I don't know, if I was in Egypt and I saw this, I'd be like, nah, I'm out. I'm out, Pharaoh. You do whatever you want, but I'm not going into this. I'm not. But look, look what happens. Look what happens. Uh, and I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they'll go into this crazy place. They'll follow them there. So they shall go in after them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. You know what happened? That's exactly what God did. They walked through, got on the other side of it. And when they got through the other side... The whole Egyptian army gone. And guess what didn't come up after them after this place? The Egyptians. Was this the end of their um, whining? Was this the end of their questioning the goodness of God? No. Like read through the life of the, the people of Israel as they leave. There are people that forget you are. And I don't mean this. In a stamp, you know, in a like a judgmental, because I don't. We all in this room forget the goodness of God. There's been miraculous things that God has done in your life, and then you'll step into another area that's even lesser what He freed you from before, and you're like, I don't think He can do it. I don't think He can do it. So here's a couple questions for you, and I have some uh, some verses that I'm gonna kind of hit you with, about six of them. Um, so you're like, well, you know. This was the people, God in the specific scenario. Uh, and maybe this doesn't apply to me. And, and some of it doesn't. Like you go out and be like, I'm going to trap myself before a body of water and see if I can get this to work again. Don't do that. Uh, because unless God calls you there, probably isn't going to separate that water. But I think we can apply this to our life. Of looking at yourself and saying, where am I trapped? It could be an addiction, uh, which could be alcohol or drug related. Let me just throw this out there. I'm not anti-alcohol. I don't don't think everybody that drinks is going to hell. Um, But alcohol is dangerous. 
and, and most of us shouldn't drink because it's dangerous for us specifically. Uh, there, there's addictions to pornography and lustful things that are circling in this room. And, and years ago, I would have been like, man, I would look at the men in this room and go, guys, we gotta, we gotta get better. And you know, statistically, you know, ladies um, are getting more and more open to the same thing. Look, I'm telling you. Physically, the power that lust has over us will ruin your life. Some of us are living in the consequences of that right now. And so some of you may be going, well, I've just never been able to get free from that. And maybe it's anger. Maybe you're just, you're just angry. And everywhere you go, you're angry. Every time you get in the car, you're angry. And you watch videos of people getting angry and be like, yeah, I want to do that. I want to yeah, punch somebody in the face. But you don't do that. And maybe you're thinking, like, I just want to be free of that. I don't want to be an angry person. Maybe it's, you're judgmental. Maybe you're sitting here going, man, I'm better than all these people. I don't have no lust problem, and I'm not drinking heathens. He said that it's not a sin, but it is a sin, and everybody's going to burn in hell if you have a sip of alcohol. And that self-righteous, self-glory side of you is literally destroying your life. And you look at people made in the image of God and you don't see hope for them. See, our culture right now, there are things that are destroying, destroying our culture right now. I'm terrified about what goes on in the public school and, and things that they want to introduce. Like, their sexuality should not be introduced to our children at a young age. Shouldn't I? I remember listening to this guy years ago, and he said, look, he was talking about his own kids not in the school system. He's like... How do you answer questions? He says, like, the way we ask, if a kid asks us a question, I give them as much information as they're, they're, they, they, they're like, okay. They're like, how are babies made? Mom and dad love each other. And a little kid's going to be like, oh, that's awesome. And then later on, they'll come and go, how are kids made? Technically. You give them a little bit of information. If they want more, you give them more information. But we don't just present information with people. But hear, hear, hear me in this. There are people in our world that are going to be children of God that you would look at right now and go, they don't belong. Whether it's, I'm not even going to say some of the words, whether it's uh, all those letters that are connected and that letter system that gets longer and longer. They, like us, have sin issues. And you know what can solve those sin issues? Jesus. And so we need to be a people that will experience a freedom in us that will make us humble so that we can also offer to other people the same freedom. Because all of those people that are broken in our world were still created in God's image. And you'll find story after story of lost causes that are brought back in, prodigal sons that are brought back in, and they become some of the most treasured possessions. You know, what, what did G, even Jesus said, well, what does a shepherd do when, when one of the sheep disappears and the 99 are safe there in this one spot? He goes out and gets the one. But if we won't allow ourselves to experience victory, we, can't, we, can't, we cannot lead someone else. So where are you trapped? Where are you stuck? 
Where have you failed to free yourself, fill in the blank? What, what is that thing for you? Because everybody in this room, if you're like, I don't have anything, then pride is your issue. Start praying for humility. <laughs> but if there's that thing that you just can't overcome, let me get, I want you to hear me. There is no victory over that thing without Jesus. Now, there may be momentary. There may be moments that you're like, I'm free from this. I've been at this game long enough that everything that I felt like, man, that's never going to be an issue for me ever again. Given the, the right scenario, it's an issue. So look at these. Uh, <clears throat> what we do in those things, in that piece, is that we invite Jesus into the battle. That's why we have this idea of Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater than anything that you're up against right now. Listen to these, Proverbs 21, 31. It says, the horse is made ready for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. And you see that all through the, the Old Testament. They should not have won almost every single one of their battles. They were almost always the underdog. Almost always the underdog. And who gave them the victory over and over again? 1 John 5, verse 4 and 5, it says, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. It isn't your strength. It isn't your own righteousness earned by your good works. It is our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? 1 Corinthians 15. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 6.10, right before he goes through the, um, the armor of God, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Galatians 5.1, it says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit Again, to the yoke of slavery. Let me just tell you, brothers and sisters, those that are, are, are following Jesus or disciples of Jesus, we can submit ourselves to a slavery that we've been freed from. We can pick up that yoke again and try to live under it. I believe that what God started in us, He will bring to completion. He'll, some of the torment that you're experiencing right now is because you put on a yoke that God took off of you. And you're just like, no, I can handle it. I can do this. I got it. I'm, I'm strong enough. 2 Corinthians 3, 17. It says, now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is no freedom without surrender and faith. So I'm going to invite our worship team to come back up here. One of the reasons um, that we have three songs at the beginning and we have one song at the end is because uh, I believe that when the Word has its work in us, um, there's usually things that are stirring in us that we need to do something with. And so one of the reasons why we have a song at the end is to provide us with a moment to reflect and go, you know what? What do I need right now? Like, where, where am 
submitting to a yoke that I've been free from? Where am I losing to a battle that I can be free from? Because where the Spirit of the Lord, there is freedom. The only way that we stay trapped in a place is we lose our ability to trust in His strong hand. I don't have this one on there, but it's hard hard for me to say all these without bringing up Romans 8, 37, though, and all these things. We're more than conquerors through Him who strengthens us, through Him who loves us. You will prevail in Christ. When you trust in the right strength. Paul uh, struggled. I love, uh, I love 1 Corinthians 12. Paul has this thorn in his flesh. And we don't know what that is. He prays three times that God would remove it. God tells him something that we, we should probably read pretty regular. No, my grace is sufficient. He didn't say, okay, I'm going to take it all from you. I'm going to make it all easy. He just said, hey, my grace is sufficient. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Could you imagine living that today? In this moment, right now. Not looking at your weakness as something that is really destroying you, but looking at your weakness as something that drives you over and over and over again to a Savior that has a strong arm. So I'll say this, and uh, we have a little... Uh, for those that are really warm, handy prayer, the back door is open, so it's a little cooler back there. Uh, there's a sign in the back that says prayer, a little light that you can be guided to. Uh, one of the ways that we can openly surrender and see the movement of God is acknowledging that before other people. Let's confess our sins once to the other so that we can be free. And... I think sometimes we have a stigma that if you walk back to this prayer that you have the issue. If you walk back there and someone's praying over you that there's something wrong and broken with you, well, let's just all admit right now that there is something wrong and broken with every one of us. And until we're ready to acknowledge that and surrender to it, you will continue to lose the battle that God has granted you victory over. So whatever that thing is, my encouragement to you today is to surrender and to begin to step forward. That's all that Moses said to the people of God is to step forward. Keep moving forward. And it's difficult and you will fall on your face. Saints are just sinners who continue to get back up. And that will be the grace that Reach Community Church lives under. We don't want perfection. We just want to help you walk in that freedom. And when you fall on your face, I, I don't want you to ever look at this place as like, man, I'm going to be judged because I, I did this or I did that. If you're ready to acknowledge that I don't want to be like that, come back. Acknowledge. And at the end of our service today, uh, not to plug Greg's um, community groups, not that they're Greg's community groups, but. Life happens and freedom happens as you get to know other people that are going to speak truth into your life. So don't settle with just what you can experience by having worshiping together and hearing the word together. Do um, life together. Let's pray. Uh, Dear my Father, uh, you know every single person in this room. You know what they're struggling with. You know where they're trapped and uh, where they feel imprisoned by. 
You know the people in this room that are going, man, it was better when I didn't think about these things and I didn't worry about these things and I'm ready to be taken back into slavery and just give myself over to these whatever that is. And Lord, you, like Moses, you just ignore our whining and our, our, our speaking those untruths about wanting and, and believing that that other way is a good way for us. God, we want freedom. And Lord, I believe right now that you're just asking your sons and daughters and friends to be honest with you. Maybe for the first time in a while, you say, I don't, I don't want this life. I don't want that thing that's over me that I can't get away from. I want freedom. Lord, I believe where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so, Lord, I'm just asking right now that you would give me the power to overcome. And so, Lord, I pray that not only today would be a, a beginning of walking in freedom from things in our life that are overwhelming us, but it will also be a day that people, maybe one person in this room, finally takes you serious, finally believes that you are good, that you want things for us, you want life, and you have a better way. Lord, help us surrender to that truth. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, be sure to visit us online at reachcommunitychurch.com.